In brightest day, in blackest night, all other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's minds. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi everybody, I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast, episode three twenty six. That's right. We are covering Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps number forty five and forty six, which are continuing parts of uh, Robert Venditti's final arc called Dark Stars Rising. I will be taking forty five. Mark will be taking forty six. I don't think we have any preambles, so should we just launch right on into it? Might as well, Chad. Might as well. <laughs> All right, so let's get uh, first here. Uh, this is Dark Stars Rising Part 2, New Recruits, writer Robert Venditti, artist Ethan Van Skyver, colorist Jason Wright, letterer Dave Sharp, cover by Doug Monkey, James Mendoza, and can't read that, Will? Yeah, Will Quintana. Yes. Variant cover by Tyler Kirkham and Arif uh, Peranto. Assistant Editor Andrew Marino and Editor Brian Cunningham. We open up in Space Sector uh, 3518, where Lantern Weggett is escorting Star Pharaoh, a villain, to be processed by the Lantern Corps. Suddenly there are explosions all around as they are attacked by the Dark Stars. The Dark Stars ask Weggett, or tell Weggett, to give uh, Star Pharaoh over to them, or face the consequences. He refuses, and he faces the consequences by not only Sarfaro being incinerated to nothing but bone, but uh, Weggett's face being blown off as well as other ch- chunks of him as his ring departs. Meanwhile, back over on Earth, where we last left Tal Jordan in Metropolis at Strikers Island Penitentiary, we see Atomic Skull taking on Hal and preventing him from taking uh, Hector Hammond. Um, Just as uh, it looks like Atomic Skull is getting the better of Hal, Hal wills out (laughs) and uh, pins him to the wall, and all of a sudden he stops his, uh, Atomic Skull rather, stops his uh, mad musings, and Hal's like, wait, are you okay? And then he realizes uh, Hector Hammond must be doing something. And this one, uh, Hector sits up and says, you came back for me, I knew you would, you're my hero. Over in Space Sector 2811 on Jakul, uh, which is now the home of uh, Zod, Ursa, and uh, his son, John Stewart is talking to the Zods uh, and explaining the situation, what's going on, trying to talk Zod down because he's being an arrogant AOF. Uh, I don't know what AOF stands for. I just made that up. <laughs> <laughs> Think about it. By the end of the episode, you can come up with come up with a, or we can have a contest. Have, have the listeners come up with it. 
Um, and uh, he's basically explaining, hey, um, I was I was a sniper. I did my job from a distance. I received orders and I pulled the trigger. That was my duty. I'm not ashamed of it, but I know that I know the darkness that life that comes with that life. I turned my back on it and became an architect to build things instead of putting bullet holes in them. Now I'm the leader of the Green Lantern Corps. I won't let the universe be governed by a sniper's law. That belongs on the battlefield and not on the streets. Zod disagrees and tells uh, Ursa and the Eradicator to kill John, but John says, hey, uh, your family's going to be uh, in danger. And not only that, you remember Tomar Ray, the guy who uh, uh, you blame for destroying um, Krypton? Well, uh, if you go, if you join with me against the Dark Stars, you'll get to face down his son, who's the leader of the Dark Stars. How about them apples? Um, over on Space Sector 1974, great year. H E P P H E E P Heap. Um, we see Arkillo and Guy talking over a beer or two, or probably Kundi uh, um, and ale. <laughs> That's all anybody ever seems to drink is Kundi and Ale. Uh, but anyways, uh, he's trying to convince Arkillo to join the fight. Arkillo says the rest of Sinestro Corps is still pretty sore at you guys for putting a green impurity in our rings. That's when uh, Tomar 2 shows up and says, Hey, uh, <laughs> I brought along an empty suit because I detect uh, the... Uh, the unclean mantle has heard the call of one who wishes to enforce lethal justice. Our Carl is like, basically, fuck you. I'm loyal to Sinestro. The guy says he's not talking about you. He's talking about me. Tomar says, we both live in the shadows of our father's guy. I dealt with it by killing the man who murdered mine in the Dark Stars. Such actions aren't rejected. Your mission also starts with your father. Do you wish to enforce lethal justice with the Dark Stars? And guide with no hesitation, says yes. And the Dark Star suit adapts to the physiology. Guy Gardner of Earth, you have been enlisted into the Dark Stars. Back over at Strikers on Earth, Hal is convincing uh, Hector to let uh, Atomic Skull go. And he does so. And uh, Skull starts talking back. He says, you saved your life. Don't make me question it. And then Hal says, you ready, Hammond? There's a long flight ahead of us. And Hector says, I've waited so long for this, Hal. Uh, as Hal puts a construct spacesuit around him, and they go flying off the Earth into space, and Hector is screaming in his head, "Look at me, I'm a hero!" And next, heroes? Question mark. The Advanced Skyver finale. Yeah. Is, so that's the last time he's going to be on this book. I believe so. I haven't checked the solicits to double check that, so I don't know. I'm going to suspect since he's at a DC period right now, I believe that this this probably is is, is is that due to the latest scandal or is that just I, something nobody entirely knows. Uh, it pro it probably was sped mm. up. His departure probably was sped up by that, but that's not obviously that's not the official story. But yeah, but neither, but that that's a little more of a tangent than I that I wanted to. <laughs> it's my fault. But it's all right. I was going to go on a tangent about the ad for Plastic Man and. Uh, the Flash War <laughs> that's in this. Uh, the Where's the plastic fan one? I saw the Flash. I saw. I saw the. I saw the Flash. Uh, it could just be my digital copy. It could be. But, but, but there's where? an ad for Plastic Man written by Gail Simone, 
with art by Adriana Mello. I read the first issue of it because, you know, it's Gail yes, Simone. Yes, and, yes, 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 yes. It's here. Uh, yeah, and uh, I enjoyed it for what it was. But I'll say this, man. I think I'm just going to give up on Plaz because I don't think his his tone and his stories are anything that, that just suck me in at any point. Like, he's okay in small doses. Like, I'm reading The Terrifics right now, which is him and Tom Strong and the Mr. Terrific and I think Shadow Lass from The Legion. Like, it's a whole thing. <clears throat> and it's a good book. But he's part of a team there. I just don't think I can take Plaz in like you know one one. Forgive the term, elongated dose. You know, I'm just. I don't know if I, that, that's a tone I can swallow anymore. So, I mean, it was good. Don't get me wrong; it was well written, and and she really found Eel O'Brien's tone and all of this stuff. But oh God, man, I just don't think that tone is for me. <laughs> I hear you. I, I, I would have no interest in reading a book about Plastic Man. <laughs> <laughs> or for Elongated Man for that for that reason, even though, to be fair, I probably would be more interested in reading a book about him than Plastic Man. Well, we did we did have uh, Elongated Man in the most recent series of The Flash, although it seemed like his personality was more Eel O'Brien than, yeah. than uh, anything else. And the same way everybody says Barry on that show is more like Wally than Barry, so... <laughs> yeah, at some point we probably could we probably could at least spend like ten minutes talking about the Flash season three or whatever four before 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 I completely forget what what. Well, yeah, we can do that at the end of the episode if we want. If, um, I, can, if I can remember what's in it, yeah. Since I uh, but, like a, but, been, go ahead. They also have the Flash War, which I read the first issue of, and I'm like, <laughs> they did, they didn't do a good job of convincing me why they're fighting. But maybe I have I've, I've had to have been reading the series thus far because. <laughs> The, the last time I read Wally, it was the Rebirth special as well as the Titans Rebirth special. So it's just like, everybody was so happy to have him back, and now they're bitching at each other. <laughs> like, Okay, I mean, I kind of get it, because did you read the first issue of that, or, or no. what Flash War? Okay, so quick spoilers real quick. At the end of the first issue of the Flash War, which has already been out for a couple weeks by the time everybody hears this, it's basically going to be Wally and Zoom, teaming up to help Wally change things so that his kids can come back into continuity. Because remember, Wally had two kids, the twins? Yep. Yeah, so it's basically now that he's back in the universe, yeah, he's not with Linda anymore and so on and so forth, but like now his kids are gone. Like He remembers that much of his prior continuity. He remembers his kids. So the fact that they're not there, he wants to change things to bring them back. And Barry's like, no, you can't change things. And this that's, I guess, what kicks off this whole Flash War. So in a sense, I kind of get it. But, like, man, they, they took a, a roundabout way of trying to explain that to me. <laughs> I'll say this, though. The art's pretty cool. Well, I guess you need something. Yeah. Uh, it's Howard Porter. Um, but, yeah. Anyways, uh, let's <laughs> back, back to the issue. Yeah, back uh, to the issue. Oh, yeah. uh, what, and I was, what and you I think? take, and I take at least I'm, uh, even though I, I guess part of me only wants to take partial blame for that whole tangent. I guess I'll take the whole blame because I had, even though at least Van Skyver is tied to this issue, so maybe I should just say take partial blame. <laughs> the art, 
the art is pretty good, except Van Skyver cannot draw Arkillo for anything. It's just one of those... That is one of his kryptonite characters. He just... His Arkillo is atrocious. But <laughs> but the art but the artwork is otherwise is is pretty much for the most part top notch fan Skyver I would say he went out with a, he went out with a good with a good issue. Yeah, it was all pretty recognizable. I didn't see any issues with it, Hector. And you know it's odd. I think in your issue, although Hector looks more cartoony, uh, or however you want to call that. I think he looks better. I just don't. I don't know how I feel about the idea of having the grotesque, you know, Hector Hammond as opposed to oh, he's just a regular guy with a big head. Like he always, he's got his eyes crossed. He's deformed. Like that. Don't get me wrong. That that makes sense in the sort of like monster, you know, man man becomes monster sort of thing. But at the same time, like. It also adds an air of ridiculousness to make him this, you know, little body, giant head, already makes him sort of crazy. Then you add on the deformities and all that other stuff. You just, you, you look at it and go, I don't really take this much seriously. So I don't know how I feel about how he does Hector specifically. I, it doesn't bother me, but... Mostly because I'm because I'm used to it. I mean, it's, he's been drawing Hector Hammond essentially that way since what 2005 or oh, yeah, 2004. Don't... So I mean, that's that. And in it's a way, nothing new, but I just I've never liked it. I, I can see that. To me, at least I've I've kind of accepted that you know that as the norm for Hector Hammond these days. So it doesn't really it doesn't really phase me at all. Uh, <sighs> Dealing with like like the meat, the actual meat in this issue, it's and we talked about this. we act and I'll talk about it more a little bit when I when I when I do my issue. But where the story is ultimately going and the way it's being the way it's being told, we probably I mean we probably could have always predicted kind of like where <laughs> how the story was going to be told as as opposed to a straightforward debate on a legitimate debate about the two about lethal justice. Uh, the justification, the you know, f- using lethal, ju- the concept of lethal justice versus just you know the Green Lantern Corps way of looking at things. We kind of always know we knew which side was going to win out in this debate, and we kind of kind of and it was realistic. We were never going to get a, a legitimate. This is point A. This is point B. You know, point A is going to win because it's a Green Lantern book. <laughs> but at the end of the day, you could go, you know, point B. You know, we could see point where point B was coming from. But even in the last the last uh, episode we did in this arc, the reality is you, you could see how where it was going and how it was not the deck was not being was being stacked completely on one side, and you see and you, and you see it in this you see some of it in this issue again. I mean the the decision by the Dark Stars to you know to to wipe out you know Wegget in the beginning they didn't have to wipe him out. They could have. They could have. They could have done everything. They could have done everything they needed to do, which was including kill Star Pharaoh, <laughs> uh, without killing him, because they they certainly had ways of incapacitating the Green Lantern Corps. Plus, with their teleportation, they they could have done that. Uh, and while they, they obviously have differing philosophies on on the law and what is justice, 
This isn't a fight they need to be they needed to be picking at the moment. Yes, they they can quote unquote justify it in a, in the story lamely because Tomar kind of said, "Hey, you know, this is your warning. Don't do this." But yeah, but that also was I think that also was specifically said, "Hey, that was partially don't get in her way, but also the fact that he was telling John and everybody else that the criminals you have in the science cells for now, for now, can stay there, and we're not going to be ripping people out of the science cells for now. Which seems well, to- there's there's also the other side of that. Remember, there was that one Dark Star who was against what Tomar Ree was well, saying. Yes, but that was another, and I had an issue with that to begin with too, because because that seemed to be painting almost immediately all oh, this power is is corrupting and and it's not just oh we want to pun- we want to punish the guilty that we're righteous we want to punish the guilty and those who are too dangerous to ever be even the chance of being released let alone yeah that right off the bat i had a problem with that because you, they were painting it okay this isn't just justice these people are just like killing people anybody who annoys them or anybody who there could be an obstacle down the way that's an entirely different argument than, than lethal justice. It really is. I mean, it doesn't mean their paths can't cross, but that's entirely different, and that seems to, or, or, or right from the beginning, be painting the idea that this dark store power, this dark store, you know, is version is so corruptive that it doesn't really matter. Even though Tarmar seems to be the vo- seems to be the voice of reason, but it seemed like he was going out of his way to not want to engage in the, with the with the Green Lanterns at the moment, which which kind of made sense. Which kind of made sense. Mm-hmm. And and to be fair, there was a there was again this is the way the story was written and framed, and Robert you know obviously Robert could write whatever story he wanted, but there was a there was a middle ground here that could have if, if this was real life there was a middle ground that theory, that could have been potentially carved out at least short term between the two, where, you know it's like whoever the Green Lanterns get the Green Lanterns get to keep and we're not going to be coming from them and whoever we take you're not going to get in our you know once we already have them you're not going to get in our way. There's different ways of doing it, and or setting up. But either way, the point is that right off, I mean, right in this issue, it's like it's just, it seems like it's, everything's being stacked to make the Dark Star so completely irrational and their point of view so completely off the off kilter that oh that it's not really a debate. You know that that it's not really a debate. It's just a yeah. foregone. And and again, like I said, we we know we know. Which side of the was who was going to win this debate? Because duh, it's, it's a Green Lantern book. If this was a Dark Stars book, maybe it would be a little different. So we know which side was always which POV was winning out in this in this like nine issue arc or whatever it turns out to be. But it would have been, from my perspective, I would have liked to see a legitimate debate, or instead of it being more completely stacked, where you know it's it's. And I'll talk. And I'll talk about once we. Once this arc gets closer to finishing, I'm going to talk about what it reminds me of. Actually, the way this 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 debate was framed, but it bothered so it bothered me right off the bat that the right off the bat that the Dark Stars chose to, you know, chose to kill the Green Lan- you know, that Green Lantern right off the bat. I'm not too I'm not overly thrilled with with the, what John's doing too. I mean, John is being he is he is being arrogant. Uh, an arrogant ornery fuck? Would that, would that fit your definition? Your, your anagram? There we go. Mark wins the contest, guys. Sorry, you couldn't get your entries in. Um, well, but we're willing to listen to other ideas. <laughs> but John's being—he's being arrogant, and it's—and even though you know, and because it's John, so he has a plan. The mere fact that—I mean—the mere fact that he's offering up Tomar like on a platter to try to get Zod. To, I mean, 
Yeah, we know. Like I said, he's got he 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 has a plan when the time comes to prevent him from really killing him, probably. But it's still a kind of shitty thing for him to do, and it's just it's a lot of the decisions. Let's be honest. A lot of the decisions with all these not the Arkillo one. The Arkillo one's probably the one that makes the most sense in all honesty. Just because well, it's Arkillo. The Arkillo makes more sense, but what the hell's going on with Guy? Like you get the you get the sense because he gives up so easily that this is part of a plan. Like either it's either Guy's own, you know, renegade crazy plan or it's something that, you know, John assigned him to do that's just like, hey, nobody else can pull this off or would be willing to pull this off but you. Yeah, and maybe But we'll, maybe at the we'll, same time, like if it's not if it's not that, you're just like, okay, where the f are you going with this because I don't buy it. Yeah, I, I I had an issue with that too. I mean, it would make a little bit more sense if 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 yes, if John if John Guy Hal they all kind of agree that you know we need we need to kind of understand exactly what what this power you know what this power does how how controlling is this power uh, and you know how it plays mind games with you or may or how doesn't it play mind games with you it pretty much or does it does it just more or less whoever you are when you're going in is really who you are when you're in there. I could see that. If not, it's you know it's a it's a bit much for guy who we know loves the Green Lantern Corps more than anything, and how it, without any hesitation at all, he's just like, oh yeah, 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 I'll take I'll I'll take it. Um, but going but trying to seek out Orkillo for help, that I could see I could see more. The Zod thing is the Zod thing is borderline. I mean, with everybody, it's borderline because you're trying because you're you're hoping to. For this thing to echo into, through people's heads, the fact that they may not be coming for you today, but they might be coming for you to, for tomorrow. And the longer they they are around, and the more powerful they get, the more problematic they're going to be for everybody. And I could see that, you know. But Zod's such an arrogant prick too that it's not like he's gonna really, it, he he's not gonna really be as intimidated by them. And as we find out, even in like I think in my issue, the fact that. It's not like the Kryptonians didn't have technology to help, you know, deal with teleportation. So the, one of the strongest things that the Dark Stars have going for them, at least what, as far as neutralizing the Green Lanterns, wouldn't really necessarily be effective against, you know, long term, wouldn't be wouldn't be effective against, you know, against Zod anyway. And the new gods, still, I mean, the, we'll de- we'll deal with that too. But the, the Arkillo one makes the most sense. Hector Hammond was, I mean, that's a border. That's a I don't know. That doesn't seem like the the smart play, you know. That, that seems like, in all honesty, if, if this is like Blackest Night two kind of thing, then the Hector Hammond thing seems like a worthy gambit. I got I got to be blunt. I think, and this is again the way the story is being framed conceptually, without making the Dark Stars go off the deep end immediately. The Dark Stars are not that would not be that big a threat at their own at their main focus was taking out people who committed who you know if there was a certain level of heinous crimes that they were they were determined that okay you forfeited your right to live and or even if we're going to allow you to stay in prison the minute you get out because you've already had chances to be rehabilitated and you failed we're coming after you and you're going to die that that by itself is not like this ultimate threat to the universe which the guys they're kind of pumping it out to be you know, this uh, this is almost like a political, it's like like a two sides in a, of a, in a political debate that, because they're so diametrically opposed, they're seeing the other side as the worst thing in the universe, conceptually. 
but if but just based on the the mere idea of the Dark Star's view on justice is not completely outrageous. There's a merit to that, and if again, it's how it's being framed purposely to make it seem like, oh, this is why this side is so completely horrible, horribly wrong, and why there's no way you should ever think like this. So, I, I also I also don't understand the whole going after your, you know, all right, well the Dark Stars are here, let's round up our enemies to help bring them down, like. Can't you call the Justice League? Can't you call Rebels? Can't you call, I mean, like, the other Lantern Corps? <laughs> you, like, there's there's so many different ways you could have faced this. And it's just like, okay, so if you're going this right. way, maybe, maybe you're going down this way to set up a story. But Venditti's leaving. Right. Like, why, why set up something unless the new writer coming on, whoever it may be, because they still haven't announced anything like that, uh, if they're coming on at all, it, it, like it, unless they asked for this, what what are you doing? Like I, I don't I don't understand why why go after if if you need you know some Kryptonians go get Superman and Supergirl. If you need a telepath, go get Martian Manhunter. Like you know like I I don't see, understand this. At least with see the, at least with the Kryptonians you have a little bit of a little bit of of a. Uh, an opening because it seems like Zod has technology and understanding of different things that prob- that and based on history that Superman doesn't. Or Superman does because he has the freaking fortress. So he's got he might, but, he, in but there. he's not. But he doesn't he, like verbatim. He's not going to know it offhand and have used the technology. He may he may be able to go into the archives and find find it. But Zod's literally lived it. So I could see that, and because John is trying to get it, yes, John theoretically could get the same upper hand against for down the road against Zod by getting it through Superman too. But I think, but I think that's part of a part of maybe the rationale why he's while he's trying to do that and in his own way, maybe try to see if if he could there's a way to coexist with with Zod and. And also, like, it's to lessen Zod's superiority in a lot of ways. I don't know. I agree with you. We talked about the cores, too. The Indigo tribe would have been the most logical one to go to because they're all fucking criminals. Pardon my language. They're, they should all be in the top of the Dark Stars list if you, believe, if you believe that the Dark Stars don't have any sense of rehabilitation means nothing. If you want to believe that they that, – which is another part of the theoret- – would have been another part of the theoretical debate. What sets – what is that bar – for where is it because once is it because you've shown no signs of, of ever re, of ever being rehabilitated or you do one horrible thing based on their sliding scale and that means no matter what you do even if you do turn turn around they don't care but either way the indigo tribe would have been the most logical along with yes the sinestro core the red lanterns that would have been that would have been very logical i also don't see why again tomar if tomar is running this is is the head of this core Tomar has certainly seemed relatively rational overall on this when it comes to dealing with – it seems like for the sake of doing this story, they conveniently left out the fact, like I said, there probably was a middle ground that could have been you – know, if you could make friggin' truce with the Sinestro Corps, if you could do that, considering the history between the two, it's hard to believe you couldn't have made some kind of, underst- some kind of understanding between the two – the two police forces of the universe, at least for temporarily, to not be in direct conflict with each other, to not go to to go to war. But um, but again, it just not- seems like a really convoluted way to get to 
and forgive me. I mean, it's it's in the solicits, guys. So I'm I'm sorry, but it seems like a really convoluted way to get to the point where we're going to withdraw the lethal force force order from the Green Lantern Corps. Like, if that's the point, if that's the end all be all to make the Corps and the Guardians realize that you know we really should not do this. We need to go back, you know, to the way things were. This is the weirdest way to get there. And especially because, you know, you think you think about this, that the philosophical debate or conversation, it wasn't a true debate, that Superman and, and Hal were having about, you know, they, you ever think about, you know, just, you know, the cracking out, you know, doing the crack of the neck and, and that it would solve so many more problems down the road. Uh, and they go, oh, no, 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 I haven't. It's like, oh, no, neither have I, which is probably bullshit on both of their ends, really. But certainly on Hal's end, we know it was bullshit that. There is, again, looking at the framing, the not the way that this is being framed in the issue, but the, philo- the conceptually, philosophically. There is a big, there is a point, at least room for debate on this, that if you have, if you have somebody who you know has killed over and over again, and you know based on, the, and we've seen that in the science cells, that even when they throw people in and they plan on keeping them, they tend to get out way too easy, there is a debate worth having about, okay, this person, this, this person has literally killed you know like thousands upon thousands of people repeated and more than one occasion why would it you know is it so is it is it so morally wrong to kill you know especially when they're not when they let's say let's move beyond what Tom you know what Tomar dear Tomar did with Romad that this person is actively not trying to surrender they're at, they're fighting back is it so wrong to, to, to end that threat? Regardless of your take on the death penalty about a deterrent overall, it's certainly going to be a deterrent for that character because he's going to be dead. <laughs> and he's not and he's not going to kill anybody else because there is the, the debate on that side of the argument is while you're patting yourself on the back for being the better person and doing the right thing, well, that's not going to help the families and all the, of the, all the other people this character made or this villain's going to kill the next time he gets out. That's going to make them feel real good when you could have stopped them and saved all those lives, but you're patting yourself on the back because we can't do that. That's wrong. So there's a there was a there's a debate there, but 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 they're not having that debate. No, they're not. And even though when this when this even if you don't agree with the outcome of said debate, it, it, at least you have had both sides yeah. accurately presented in a way that you're like, okay, at least they had the talk. But this is this is having a debate. Uh, on on page with no actual debating. No, you know what you know what this. Okay, I'm gonna say it now, and I could and I will openly admit this is what it made me think of. And and I can openly admit that since there's a bunch more parts to, to the story that have yet to be played out, maybe I'll change my mind. Though nothing that's happened to like the first five or whatever how many issues we've done so far in this. Maybe five. When we did three last time, right? Was it only three? I think so. Okay, so there'll be five when we get through tonight. That my opinion might change, but nothing has. This is how I thought this arc was going to go. Not that it's not enjoyable as far as issue by issue goes. Let me put. Let me say that I've been. I mean, I've been enjoying reading the issues, but there's so. But the things that pop out and stand out to me, like oh, this doesn't make any sense to me. Oh yes, or here it is. It just takes me out of the story. So I could be wrong how how I'll feel about this story when it ends. But right now, nothing seems to be pointing in that direction. To me, this kind of makes me think, honestly, that this is almost like a, a microcosm of political correctness. That you think you can have a debate on an issue, 
except whoever framing the issue, whoever framing this debate is making it crystal clear that side A is the right side. You have to take side A because if you take side B, you're absolutely horrible. You're a monster. You're insensitive. Throwing every ism you want. That's kind of what this is reminding. The way this arc is being framed, the story. That's what it reminds me of because it's not like they're because it's not like they're even uh, even from the get go. It's like they've never really allowed you to see or to think that there was a legitimate point of view which wasn't the one you we wanted you to think was legitimate. That this that you can only think A now because look look how horrible B is being because that's because you're framing B that way not because there wasn't a, there wasn't a way to present both sides you're just choosing to only present the side you want in the good light and choose to do the other the the opposite that's what it, that's what it kind of reminded me of not that we get political on this and this is, that's about as political as we ever get on the show I guess but that the concept what the concept behind political correctness which is limits speech limits debate limits discussion because there's only one right side and anything else is you can't take the other side not because you're absolutely wrong there is no other side that's what kind of this is this when I read this especially these two issues that's what it really that's what it reminded me of because they're because, like you said, there could have been a debate. Because it could have been like a, t- a really good Magneto or classic parallax story, where at the end of the day, you know they're going to lose. And you can vi- you can e- also easily take a look at maybe the methods they were using and go, yeah, they kind of went a little far. But you could be left thinking at the end, was what they were trying to accomplish, was that really bad? Was that really wrong, what they were trying to do? Or did they just go a little too far in trying to accomplish it, but... But, but, yeah, the, like but the idea, that, but the idea behind the thought process behind what they were trying to do or the goal they were trying to achieve was it really bad? And go ahead, Adam. Like, like zero hour, for example. Yes, exactly. You, zero, you, you, you read zero hour, and you're, you do, do you agree with Hal? No, but at the same time, you're like, well, if he's going to bring everybody back and nobody's going to remember anything, why not let him try? Like you, you don't you don't end the book on that note, but for half a second, you think it. And the fact that it makes you think it, you know, it's just like that, that, that's, that's good writing. Right, especially because when you think about it, even though one could, one could make a case that, there, there, you know, there was the, the – and this, let's completely ignore the retconning of what Parallax was. Let's look at, par, at zero – what Parallax was during that time frame. Yeah, you can make a case, you know, how, you know, how had, you know, had, the, had a God complex now or whatever, but what was a real – what was the rationale behind what he was doing? It's because of what, because and and of course, guy takes guy and unwittingly helped put him on the path to this. Uh, that he realized that it wasn't just Coast City was the initial thing that he wanted to bring back, but then but then because of his fight with Guy afterwards, he realized that that Coast City was kind of like just a one one small part of a huge problem. It was indicative of a much bigger problem. That all these horrible things were happening, and there wasn't anybody to really stop it either. That mm. what Hal wanted to do was create a perfect universe or multiple universes in which, you know, the the, the, it, the where the good would have its day, the bad would be dealt with, if, and, and he would be the guardian of the uni- the guardian of the universe or the universes that the real guardians never wanted to be because they were too damn passive and they let everything go by and they were never proactive. That he would be a guardian that would not let things get out of hand and which could be problematic but we can't say it wouldn't be but it he would but the, the concept behind it was that he was going to re- bring everything back make things as 
almost make a paradise, and he was going to be the guardian watching over every, all of it to make sure things were going to go smoothly. How he went about it? Yeah, but you can't say conceptually that's a horrible idea. Yes, it's fraught. There's a lot of potential problems there, but conceptually that's not horrible. And then the and the irony, of course, is you look at the at the end of that at the end of Zero Hour, the way Hal was going to restart the universe to begin with and then form things into his own. Well, they had to do that anyway through damage and everything and everything else because that's the only way they could restart the universe. So they ended up just restarting it and kind of like letting it go back or hoping it all fell back into the same pattern as opposed to Hal reshaping it. But even the way they kind of resolved what Hal had done was, you know, what Hal was going to do anyway. <laughs> so, But yeah, but that's the point. The point is there was a way to go about this arc and make it so, yes, the Green Lantern point of view was going to win out. And yes, you'd probably realize the Dark Stars were going about things a little too extreme. But you at least not be so blatant about, oh, there's there, this lethal justice. There's there's no way that could ever be justified. There's no way that that point of view makes any sense to any rational person. And well, they're also framing the debate in 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 one way for each side. You know, it's and don't get me wrong, they're the main points of of both sides of the of the issue. But there's got to be other stuff you can explore because. It's like every time we get to the Dark Star side of things, it's like, yeah, but what if we just take them off the playing field so that they can't harm anybody anymore? And then you get the Green Lantern Corps going, but that's just, that's just, uh, you know, who, who decides that justice, <laughs> you know? And, and what, you know, what's, what's the, what's the criteria there? And how do you know that they won't go too far? Like, you know, that, that sort of side of things. But there's never any more to either of these arguments. Don't get me wrong. I, I don't. I, I'm not well versed in that particular debate. As a matter of fact, I don't know necessarily where even I personally, as a person in this world, come come down on the idea of of you know like lethal injection and, and so on and so forth. capital punishment. I guess is the word. Um, I'm not sure where I, as a human being, come down on that because I am one of those people who goes. I can see both sides, and everybody in this world wants you to pick a side of an issue. And you know what? <laughs> I'm going to sit here and say right here, right now, it's okay to not know where you come down on an issue. Like, I don't understand the people who freak out on you for not, you know, picking a side. It's just like, well, first of all, <laughs> I don't have all the information yet to feel comfortable picking a side. <laughs> you know, like, for instance, me personally, like, I'm not going to get into, like, a whole religious thing. But I was raised Christian, so and while at, while there's a certain uh, there's certain aspects to that that you can uh, enter in your life, I don't go to church anymore. Like I have, I believe in a God, but do I believe in everything I was taught growing up? No. So th those sort of like hardwired things that you're are pounded into your head as a kid are still there for me, and still sort of shouting in the background. But I've learned with the various issues that I encounter as my life and my life as a free thinking adult that, you know, I need to come down on my own side of these things and take all the facts and and make my own opinion as opposed to just going with what I was taught. Well, so on, on the capital punishment side of things, I don't know all the facts. I don't know where I come down on this debate. But at the same time, I know and feel that certain arguments from both sides feel right to me. So I don't know, you know, where that where where I where I come down personally. But at the same time I read this story 
And don't get me wrong. I agree with you, Mark. I, I and, and listeners out there, I agree with Mark. And we have the same. This is an enjoyable story. I'll say that for Venditti. Thus far, it hasn't taken a dip in quality for me. This issue in particular, maybe a little bit. I feel like it comes back up with Mark's issue that he's about to cover. Um, but uh, I, I, it is enjoyable. So when I'm criticizing this book, don't get me wrong. I'm not criticizing the quality of the writing or the quality of the art. I'm just saying if if Venditti's goal is to have this debate on the page, uh, in part his goal is to have this debate on the page, we're not getting enough of the debate. We're getting the main, you know, side A's main point A and side B's main point A and nothing else beyond that. And all that really does is make it seem like you're on two sides of the aisle going, yes, no, yes, no, instead of giving me some more context. And I don't feel there's enough context here. Now, don't get me wrong, it's a comic book. So we can't just have this holistic, you know, wordy SOB on the page debate with, you know, quoted sources and citations and so on and so forth. It's a comic book. There has to be action. There has to be a, uh, a suspension of belief and so on and so forth. But at the same time, you are you as a writer are taking you, you have made it your personal point to take time out and, and make this a part of your story. Well, to me, in this this particular percentage of the story that you're devoting to this debate, you are not taking that part of it seriously enough and framing it in such a way that it seems like it's a worthy debate to be had. Because we all know as human beings, this is a worthy debate to be had. What are we going to do with the people who commit such horrible crimes? We have to figure out what to do with these people. You know, some countries have prisons with, you know, a full library and nice windows and, you know, Wi-Fi and like all this other stuff. And then we have prisons like in our side of the world, which we feel are horrible. Then there are prisons in other sides of the world that are just dumps, like just, you know, against human basic human rights sort of places. And then we have places that just execute people. Where on the spectrum should we fall as a people? But we don't know that. And it seems like everybody across the world deals with it in different ways. But it just seems like in this book, we're only getting the shouting number one point from both sides and nothing else. And that kind of bothers me. No, I agree. I, I'm glad I'm glad we're, we're kind of on the same page about uh, – not, not that it surprised me, because I kind of thought vibe-wise we were simpatico the last time. But but I, I but see, I was purposely trying to hold back some of my thoughts last time. I actually planned on holding back some of my thoughts this time too, but it just seemed too natural based on the, the conversation we were having. But yeah, I mean the issues are all enjoyable by themselves. But again, it's it's like a phrase we've we've used before on the show about different things. It's heavy-handed. The way that the way it's being framed is is it's heavy-handed, and it's like oh, I mean right off the bat, you know, it, the dark, you know, it, there wasn't even a chance for the dark star. <laughs> they didn't even get a chance to like settle settle into their new suits before it already was being perfectly clear the way you know we were supposed to feel that, that they were completely off off the rails. And maybe you could make a case the mere, from the mere moment that they kind of turned, and that's why I had a pro- part of the reason I had a problem with it from the minute they turned on the controllers. Like two seconds after the first suit came online, that 
that kind of told you right off the bat they were telling you that this is they were not giving you a chance to say okay. Uh, so, yeah. But we should go to your issue. <laughs> yeah, we already got well, we already got more out of this show than we thought we were getting. <laughs> I guess we're not going to talk about the, the the flash season this episode, guys. Well, well, who knows? This this issue this issue might go quick. And besides, uh, we still haven't been recording that that long. But uh, all right, so I'm I'm doing 46 with the guy Gardner condemned by the Dark Stars, which is kind of a stupid quote too, uh, since he obvious since he seemingly volunteered for it. Inside the actual title is Death Sentence, uh, Robert Venditti, Clayton Henry, the artist, uh, Penta. Pete Pentanz, this is the colorist. Dave Sharp, letterer. Uh, Segoa, is it Segoa or is that a V? It's a U. Uh, I can't U. tell. And Fajardo Jr. did the cover, varying cover, Tyler Kirkham and Perianto, and Andrew Marino and, and Brian Cunningham uh, are the editors. So now we've now we cut to Earth. Hey, we're making progress. We're, we're in, back in Baltimore on Earth, and we see Guy's father who, you know, some of his... Some of his uh, friends, quote unquote, are trying to talk him into uh, going out for drink, for to get to do some drinking, and he looks. I, I do like the way he's drawn. That the mere suggestion, uh, once people recognize him, that he realizes that this is bad news, that he kind of has a petrified look at his on his face. But he says he has to go to a meeting, and essentially we do find out really quickly that at least for like a few weeks or whatever, it's a few, only like a few weeks, right? If I remember correctly. Uh, I think, I think, I think so. Yeah, that he's that he's been dry, that he hasn't been drinking for a few weeks, but it really doesn't matter because as he's walking walking in the rain, he gets blasted by energy, and we hear Roland Gardner, and he's like, well, "What do you want?" And we see Guy now with his uh the mask lifted up, <coughs> excuse me, on his dark stark suit, and I gotta tell you, this page this page right off the bat took me out of this issue. <laughs> It's like, for the crime of knocking me around when I was a kid, your penalty is death. Like we talked about. Can you, can you like, frame this in a more shitty way? You, yes, he, he abused Guy. He screwed up. He impacted Guy's life in a really negative fashion. But even though, but just probably the language Guy is choosing. It's like, oh, for knocking me around when I was a kid, I'm going to kill you. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Uh, so now we're, we quickly cut to Space Sector 563, A Dead World. Where Hector Hammond, uh, basically, <laughs> Hal has taken Hector Hammond there because more or less he's trying he's trying to take Hector Hammond out for a test drive to see if what if he can uh, get Hector Hammond to do what he wants him to do, but not go <laughs> full Hector Hammond. <laughs> um, so he's trying. So Hal is trying to explain, you know, trying to explain about the dark stars and how big a threat they are. Um, once again, I don't necessarily know if Hector Hammond would be high high on the Dark Stars list, but he's kind of. But in a way, he's. I think he's playing to Hector Hammond's desire to be a hero, or at least Hector Hammond taps into that. We got a pretty interesting splash page of of Hector Hammond when uh, he's making it sound like, "What can I do? What can I do? Anything." And then we see like this. Almost like this Age of Ultron image when all the Avengers are like scattered and either dead or almost dead. With and Tony seeing all this, we have Hal in the middle of it, and we got some interesting characters here. What we have the Shark, Laura mm-hmm. Flees, Atrocitus, Sinestro, uh, Bolfunga. Is that supposed to be? Uh... Oh God, I just I just went blank. That's uh... there's Krona, there's Mongol, there's oh, yeah, Mon- uh, Doctor Doctor Polaris, Sonar. 
Oh, it's okay, Sonar. That's not who I... You're right, it is Sonar. You know who I thought it was? Uh, I thought it was Max Lord for a second, because it kind of almost looked like him. But you're right, it makes most sense that it's the new Sonar. There's uh, Dexter in the background. Yeah, I, I just know... don't know who the skull and the girl are. Yeah, I'm trying to remember who the girl is. Uh... Maybe it's that chick from towards the very, very beginning of Venditti's run. Maybe. Maybe, that, maybe is that a... Uh... Is that what's his face from the last issue, the Skull guy? No, that's there's because uh, Atomic Skull was never was never really a, a villain of his because I think that chain is supposed to symbolize who that's supposed to be. That is true. It could be. I just thought for a second it might have been just because we know Hector Hammond wanted to blow his brain up last issue. Um, hmm. But either way, we have all these bodies scattered, and it's like a. Hal's like, what's going on? <laughs> what are you doing? It's like, I'm showing you how I'll kill all the villains. That's what you want. And Hal's like, no, I don't. And he's like, yeah, you're lying. <laughs> he's like, I remember. So now we kind of flash back to the conversation Hal and Superman had that I, I mentioned. We talked about earlier uh, a while ago now, but in this episode about how you ever think about, you know, just like a, just squishing a little head or doing a little, just just doing a just doing that once in a while and we have a lot less problems and and Hector of course even based on his his current condition I guess and how he's how his powers have been amped up that now Hector is not he's kind of like always there even when you think he's asleep he's he's kind of like Santa Claus he's always listening <laughs> so it's like you thought I was asleep but you know but but I'm the god brain my mind always listens and it's like I I just know you it's like uh, I I know you just want people to be safe from villains, and I'll help you. And now we kind of get a tie into maybe what's behind the Dark Stars and their abilities and where this came from, because apparently, you know, in uh, in in Metal Number Six, Hal wore an, an armor of Element X, which is the Metal of Possibility, and it, the, the thought, that similar thought about you know maybe if we just cross that line and solve some of these problems one time, we won't have to keep re you know redressing redressing them over and over again. Hal thinks that that's what basically kind of led to the Dark Stars becoming uh, sentient in a way, in the way they have been. And Hector Hammond doesn't really say anything to uh, contradict that either. He just points out, it doesn't matter, you have me now and I'll make it better. And uh, Hector's like, you know, you just saw, you know, the first time I tried to do this, which was a little bit ago, it's like you saw through the illusion, but, you know, but that's because of, like you know I changed everything, but I didn't change you. This time I'll do better. So he goes. Hal Jordan is my friend. Heroes help their friends. And then for a second, you know, Hal starts phasing from Hal jo- from Green Lantern into Hal Jordan. For a moment, he stops. He's back in his bomber jacket, and he kind of turns around. And is like, who who's Hal Jordan? Uh, we cut to Jakul, not to be not to be uh, confused with uh, Ray, Ray's homeworld from uh, Star Wars. <laughs> Was that was that Jakar? Uh, Jaxer? Uh, no, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I, I I pronounced it wrong, but I know what it is in my head. Uh, Jakku. That's what I couldn't think of. Uh, so we find we still we're still having arguments back and forth between John and and Zod. But basically, the the whole point, John makes it clear what he's really what he's kind of hoping for here is he again playing up the two levels. He's playing up on Zod's disgust for. Uh, cowards pretty much too because he thinks that people who teleport and use teleportation as a as a way of you know a victory is kind of like basically for pussies and so john plays on this aspect of zod at the same time he more or less i think he really wants to get a look at this uh you know at the tele tele disruptor 
the Kryptonian teledisruptor. So the Eradicator, you know, shows the plans, the, the you know, to to John. But you know, Zod's kind of like, you know, it's gonna, it would take, uh, it would take weeks to assemble. And this is where again John kind of becomes, come, kind of becomes uh, that uh, that 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 arrogant ornery uh, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> It's like maybe for you, but I like built Coast City like in five seconds. I'm a proctor. I'm kidding, but it's not too far off. It's like, oh, just just watch me work. And of course, he puts his he uses his 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 ring to start you know basically to start building machines and everything to start putting these all these the disruptors together. Now we cut to the requisite uh, new god scene where ha- oh, excuse me Kyle and Cabby are locked up in a in a new god prison. Until uh, High Father shows up, and of course now High Father and Orion to kind of get the pitch about oh the Dark Stars, the Dark Stars, and I'll give credit where credits due. At least they keep this version of High Father being a dick <laughs> and being in character because it made perfect sense that despite what it, despite the fact that you know as Kyle points out that we helped you guys, you know we helped you multiple times, and that you kind of owe us for being jerks. And also, that high father kind of like uh, flips him the bird, walks away, and says, "Hey, this isn't really uh, this isn't really isn't our fight, but because because of our close uh, relationship, we're gonna let you guys go. But first, of course, we're gonna take height, we're gonna take Cabby's uh, mother box, and that doesn't go over too well with with Space Cabby, Orion, obviously, and they're setting this up for you know, it would it would be really shocking, of course, if Orion doesn't show up somewhere in the, in the next few issues that." to help because it's certainly telegraphing that Orion doesn't agree with High Father and that he that he wants to help Kyle. Yes, he has more of a personal reason to help Kyle because Kyle did friggin' keep him alive by <laughs> holding that artificial heart together with pure willpower, but either way, so at the end so at the end of the day, you know, this this mission for help is kind of like you get a nice little or big middle finger from the new gods. We go back to Earth, right just where we left off. Guy is like, he's over his, you know, he's over his father with the dark star power. You know, guys like taunting them, you're, you're, you're a drunkard, you're, you know, you know, a drunkard can't change his spots, and he's, and he's trying to, he's trying to, uh, his father's trying to make it clear, yes, you know, I've been, you know, I've been dry, I've been trying to, I, I've been trying to make changes, and it's like, uh, and then, guy talks about, you know, the, the dark star mantle. And it's like, uh, you know, I held it all down deep inside like I had something to be ashamed of, but this Dark Star mantle, you know, found that inside me. Found that inside me. I heard it calling. It made me understand that I've got nothing to be ashamed of. My thoughts aren't bad. They're justice. No, they're, no more being a green. There's a new way of doing things, a new law, and it starts with you, Pop. And, you know, he's, he's basically trying to get his father to beg and cry and, and everything else, and... But his father just kind of acquiesces and kind of accepts, you know, that basically I've done, you know, I've done crappy things, and it's like if this is, you know, I've kind of I've ruined your life, and if this is what you need to do, go ahead do it. And guys, kind of like you know, it's more than hate pop. It's like I don't respect you. It's a hell of a thing to put a put on a kid. No coming back from it. Get ready for some final justice. A lot of bullshit, kind of like bravado lines here. Then of course he gets blasted by. Uh, yellow tendrils and pulled backwards, slammed into the ground. And of course, who is who is it? Of course, it's Arkillo. It's like you will not kill your father, Guy Gardner, unless you kill me first. Next, Mono Arkillo, round two. And all I have to say, because I have not read the new issue yet, if they have Arkillo get his ass kicked again, Robert Venditti, you can. I'm not gonna even say what I want to say, but Jesus Christ, man, you just need to give some of these characters a break. <laughs> <laughs> 
And that ends issue 46. Yeah, um... I don't know where to start. The Hector Hammond stuff was good. I like the Hector Hammond stuff. That mm-hmm. was good. Uh, and her name is Nolange. Oh, was that fr- was that from... Uh... That's from, like, the first arc that Venditti had after. Uprising? Yeah. Yeah, after you mean... It was, before, it was, it was before Uprising. Before oh. the Durlins. Oh, the, chick, the, the chick that it was got bold. the star Yeah, yeah, yeah. In lights out, and then they then they went out, and they, they, that's right. It was in light. They they had to go after her, right? They had to go after her. Well, a bunch of people escaped, and they did go after her. And this this was when like two six was first introduced, and all that. Because lights out and the Durlin War and all that came after this. Came after what? Uh, uh came after Nolange. Well, lights out was his literally his first arc. That might have been the that might have been the first or second that might have been the first or second issues, but the but remember the the first issue he did was with relic with flashing forward to relic showing up at the at the power battery. <clears throat> but either way, oh it shit, matter. yeah, that's that's right. Okay, so no, no launch. Uh, let me see, where's the thing here? Uh, not to be confused uh, with Solange. No launch is not. Is it not? Let me, I'm sorry. I'm just trying to figure this out here. The digital issues make me page through it. So, uh, so you, are you thinking about the one Hal had to go track down? Like no, Hal? this is from Robert Venditti. This is uh, issue number twenty-three. Oh, of Hal and the Core? No, of Green Lantern. Okay, after well, that's Jeff what Johns left. Okay, but I'm talking about when in co- when in the context of that because there were the first couple I thought I thought within the first two issues they began with the relic thing and then I thought Hal had to go recapture recapture somebody and I thought mm-hmm. that that's who I'm th- thought it started with Larfleeze attacking the core right on, on Oa right and and people getting out and then uh, uh, they went to deal with Noel Ange and that was issue 23. And 23.1 is Relic's origin, and then 23.2 is the Mongol issue, 23.3 is the Black Hand, 23.4. Oh, so the, uh, the fear itself. Right. No, and then yeah, yeah, Green Lantern 24 is the first part of Lights Out. You are right, yes. Yeah. So this... For, for, yes, you're yeah, right. No Lange, yeah, No Lange is before Lights Out. You're right. That's, that's right. That, it was, that's right. Larfleeze was the one that was attacking for no real reason. But that's right. He. That's right. So I'm confusing, yeah, I'm confusing that there were like basically two attacks on Oa. I was confusing, yeah, I was wrong. Because Larflees was originally, was Venditti's first issue, and then a couple of issues later we have the Relic showing up, which was still kind of a flash forward for to, for what happened in Lights Out, or what was happening, yeah. Yeah, it was Lights Out, <clears> and then we immediately went to the Durlin War, and so and, and so forth. things have never, never been the same since. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, that's Nolange. Just I just went to that issue and compared her, um, her face uh, tone and you know the color of her hair, the lips, the stuff in her hair, that little charm on her head. That's definitely Nolange. <clears throat> uh, yeah, so the stuff with Hammond. Yeah, I guess that was cool. The stuff with uh, John. Eh, I mean, really, the only important thing there is the. Uh, the tele disruptor. Um, 
The stuff with uh, High Father was interesting, but also sort of irritated the shit out of me. But it was done in such a way where I, I understand where High Father's coming from. He says, uh, Mother boxes are New God's technology. They are among the most dangerous objects in creation. Yet you use one to smuggle contraband. This is precisely the type of occurrence that led me to limit our interactions with your universes. <laughs> so that was interesting. So you, you kind of get where he's coming from. He's coming from the idea that these are the new gods. Emphasis on gods. <laughs> so that was cool to see. The stuff with Guy's dad maybe gave us another sort of uh, perspective on this whole debate, but again, it feels like the same, more of the same. Um, and it doesn't really help when everybody's sort of first mission as a Dark Star seems to be personal <laughs> and, like, settling a grudge. <laughs> like, it's one thing that's just like, okay, you know, I'm going, I'm going to go kill... You know, uh, e even before he was a dark star, Tomar was like, I'm going to kill uh, Romat, which would make sense. Remember, I was saying earlier, there are certain instances where, you know, a capital punishment seems to make sense to me. A psychopath who murders millions of children? Um, yes, please. <laughs> Get rid of him. So, uh, you know, when, when, when that sort of thing happens, you know, I, I, I can't really argue with with uh, tomar too you know maybe there's something in me that's like it has killed somebody in cold blood like there wasn't even a trial about it to make sure that this person was really responsible for all of these acts and so on and so forth but at the same time you know part of me is like you know what tomar good on you but then guy going after his dad like i get it it's personal i i myself have never been the subject of abuse so it's not like i can't you know, I don't have that that place to identify with him on to to kind of feel where he's coming from, but at the same time, it almost makes it look petty. Well, yeah, you know? I think that's kind of, unfortunately, I think that's kind of the point. <laughs> yeah, and 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 they also hint in this issue about what the problem is with the dark stars. It's almost like there's this like. It's almost like this devil on your shoulder in in your head when you're wearing the armor or whatever that just that, that, that tells you what you want to hear. It's like, oh, you, you don't you don't need to you don't need to feel bad about having these feelings. You don't need to feel ashamed about about you know wanting to to, to seek out vengeance or to get get payback. It's okay. There's no so I think so. I think they're starting they're they're giving they're opening the door for once again why you know this side of the argument is not a legitimate. Is ever was ever designed to be legitimate because it's being. This is how you get you get corrupted. I mean, some people are affected maybe more subtly by it, like Tomar, because because in a way, Tomar only had the only thing personal about Tomar was killing the guy who killed his father. Mm -hmm. uh, and to be perfectly honest, Tomar and clearly did not need somebody whispering in his ears to tell him this was okay because he 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 knew it was okay to begin with, but. But the, again, there's a huge difference between this guy killing your father and you're seeking – and he's a criminal and he's got a huge track record anyway. And it's like you're seeking vengeance, which also in this case is justice. So, oh, this guy beat the crap out of me when I was a kid, so I'm going to go effing kill him as opposed to – you know, if guy was going to beat the crap out of his father, you could make a case, okay, that could be justice. It's payback. It's an, it's an eye for an eye. You're kind of going back to the Don Corleone – you've yet to see Godfather, but in the beginning of Godfather, when uh, – 
when Bolasera comes to see Don Corleone and he and he he's looking for he's looking for payback for what for what happened to his daughter when his when his daughter got the hell beat out of her and he's at, and he's asking for Don Corleone to kill these people and he goes, this is not justice because your daughter's still alive, and that's what the whole thing is. That's not justice because it's it's not an equal act, reaction to the action, and it just I mean it just. I sort of, and they and they begin the issue with that too, and the way they phrase it, I, I think maybe they're trying to be. It was trying to make you like chuckle in a way about oh, oh for, for smacking me around when I was a kid, like I sentenced you to death pretty much. It just to me, the minute I read that, it was like oh, you got to be shitting me. It's like so the guy, the guy stuff was the most the most ridiculous stuff, the most ridiculous stuff in the book, really. Uh, yeah, the debate's just not being framed right. So. No, the, 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 the debate is the debate is essentially over. I mean, if there was ever going to be one, I mean, the, these two issues, which is why I think it was good that we had we did these two issues on their own. That pretty, you know, based on the stuff here, I mean, it's 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 clear, you know, it's and especially if you're right, if we end up at the point where the real purpose of this arc is not just to prove all oh, the Green Lantern side is right is more is more right, or given the two choices, it's the only right choice versus. The dark stars, but to go back to where we well, lethal force is just never right now. Then that then it's even more heavy-handed. <laughs> it seems like it's even more of an agenda. Uh, so yeah, yeah. But it's you know again, each one of these issues has been enjoyable. You know, this hasn't been uprising where it was a real chore to get through some of those issues. So these the issues have been enjoyable, but I it's still I still don't have any faith that. That the that he's going to stick the landing anymore at the end of this long arc that he's done in the majority of the arcs that he's done since he's been on this book doesn't mean the arc's not good it won't be enjoyable for what it is but it's lots of arcs we enjoyed that we didn't like the ending or we it didn't it seemed to end either the story either the story was super quick and there should have been more meat to it like uh, with the whole fracture or you have something like this which is like seemingly going on longer than it needs to and we are not even near the end yet it seems like it's almost safe to say that they could have knocked a few issues off of this but maybe once he well, maybe once he realized he was leaving at 50 then it was like oh I'm just going to make this one big story so yeah alright anything else about this you want to talk about no I don't think so alright well what's up what else we got uh, let's Let's talk about briefly. I mean, there's a lot of stuff with Star Wars going on, but I don't want to. De- I don't want to spend too much time on Star Wars itself, because it seems like all hell's breaking loose over at, at over at Lucasfilm. And I'm not even talking about the contradictory rumors of, oh yes, there's this. All these anthology movies are on hold. Oh no, they're not on hold. Uh, more like the idea that you know Kathleen Kennedy seems to be uh, skating on thin ice these days, and not ma- and not many people, including the people that she needs to make happy. Uh, like Bob Iger, not many people are happy with her. It's just the interesting, uh, the interesting announcement I believe today of by Dwayne Johnson that, that the release date for Jumanji 3, the sequel to their their surprise hit from last went from last December. Welcome is, to the jungle. Welcome to the jungle. That that's going to come out I believe on December 13th, 2019. Which is quite interesting because that is at the moment is going to be one week before Star Wars Episode Nine, which you would think 
in, normally you would think you would want to shy away from going against a Star Wars movie, certainly an episode. You wouldn't want to open a week after it. You wouldn't want to open a week before it because you know it's going to grip into your box office, especially when arguably you're competing for much of the same audience. So the fact that they picked that date to begin with, which doesn't mean they're going to stick to it. There's always a chance they'll move. Or Star Wars will move because that's happened. That has happened, but Star Wars wants December now. I mean, I, th- I think even though, again, I, I think it's an incredibly, as I think I've said, I think it's an incredibly lame argument to blame Star to blame like Solo's failure on. So, oh, it was a May release when Star Wars never had a problem with six movies previously being released in May, and they all were hits. And they all did fine and had had no trouble finding an audience. So I'm not buying the May the May release thing as an issue by itself. But they want that December. They're happy with the December release, and everything's focused on episode. So they staked out this this time frame. It's very doubtful they're going to move. Uh, but the mere fact that some that they would choose a movie, that they would choose a time a release date so close to Star Wars, I just find. I find it really interesting because to me, when you do something like that, when you pick a release, when, especially when the when the movie you're going up against has already had that release date and you're picking it, it's not like Star Wars is picking the date to to go after to try to cut into Jumanji or or to cock block Jumanji. That Jumanji decided we're going to open up right before Star Wars and we don't care. Usually, when that happens, it's because pe- it seems it's when the studio that's really that's doing the announcement of this. The, the, the studio that's making the announcement last about the release date, the, the, the latest announcement, they kind of sense a weakness in the movie that they're going after. Kind of like the way Fast and Furious, the one that opened up in Memorial Day a few years ago, went, at, went directly after Hangover 3 because people hated Hangover 2, despite the fact that it made money. People hated it. So they really knew that franchise was damaged goods, so they had no trouble saying, eh, even though Hangover 3 had already, I believe, staked out that Memorial Day release weekend. It's like, we don't care. We'll, we'll go out. We'll come after it. And, it. and it demolished Hangover 3, that Fast and Furious movie. Uh, so it's interesting if part of the thinking is because Jumanji did so well and because Jumanji, to be fair, it did well even when opening right around the time Star Wars came out, Episode 8, knowing that – and Jumanji had legs, which was one of the reasons why it made so much money is that it – because that was one of those rare movies that was out for, I think, for like two weeks and, had, and wasn't number one. And then in its third week in release, finally made its way up to the number one movie. That doesn't happen that often because it just kept doing good business. So it's, so it's probably a combination of both that it went against Episode Eight, which had a lot of hype and had the positivity of Force Awakens and Rogue One. And it did really well. And now Episode Nine, which is going to have to deal with the fallout from Last Jedi and... Some of the fallout from Solo, but that's more because people just didn't go see it. Solo was a fun, was a good movie. I think when people see Solo once it starts streaming, I think people, the people who didn't pay for it in the theater, well, I think will appreciate it as a movie. But Episode Nine is still going to have a lot of hurdles to clear with a lot in a large percentage of the fan base. To me, it just made me think they think they're like sharks with blood in the water. They think Star Wars is vulnerable and not maybe the invincible juggernaut that it is, so we don't have to worry so much about having our movie be that they're confident enough in their product and maybe think there's more of an opening that even though Star Wars technically will be coming out you know, in, in, their, in the se- their second week of release, that they think they can do okay and it's not going to hurt them. 
I just I thought that I thought I thought that was very interesting because it's not what I was. I mean, so that that's what struck me about that. I didn't see the new Jumanji, so I didn't either. I only saw bits. I saw bits and pieces of it, but I, I have yet I have yet to see it. Yeah. But obviously, people liked it. Obviously, that it, people seem. No, to like, no, I've heard quite yeah. a bit of good things about it. So, like, my sister and my brother-in-law went to go see it together, and the, they said they really enjoyed it. So, heard the same thing about Rampage too. Yeah, I didn't get. To, I, I did never. I wanted to see Rampage. I didn't get. I did not get a chance to see Rampage. Hey, did you watch Luke Cage yet? I have not watched uh, season two yet. No, I don't. I don't have Netflix anymore. So. Uh. Yeah. So no, nah, I haven't done that yet. But I thought Flash season th- season four wasn't bad. It, started it was alright. Started off. It started off really crappy. I thought, yeah. and and it it got it did get better. I thought it did get better. It is it is kind of getting old with everybody in the world being speedster, or even if it's tempor- temporarily. I, I am intrigued by, you know, the the Iris and Barry's daughter showing up at the end. At least we know she carries on the family tradition of screwing up, of screwing things up in the timeline or whatever, of making bad decisions. And I, mean, I don't know, I don't know why she needed to help Barry then at the end because, you know, she's she says she screwed up. Well, if if she was born, and she has reverence and love for Barry and and Iris, then. Barry didn't die during that last punch. But but she so, mean, yeah, but she didn't necessarily say that was her her screw up, was it? I didn't think that she uh, did that. No, she, that's I true. Think, uh, she just she was very vague about that she made you know that she made a bet. You know, so I don't. Um, I mean, it could it could tie into that. It could have or it could be a, it could be a chain of events that that would lead to or whatever. But it's yeah, but I. Th- they, they left it. They left it purposely vague. So I, yeah, I'm not. I, not quite sure where they're gonna go in season four. I, I do like the fact that uh, that Dibney's gonna be a regular. I think that'll probably be cool. Hmm. I, I like the fact that they uh, made uh, Joe's girlfriend because they're not married, right? Are they married? No. The show? Yeah. Well, are they married? I don't know. I think so. I, I it, would make know. Se- it would make sense that they would be, but but either way, I like the fact that they made his significant other, not just because she's cute, but they but the fact that they, that she's going to be a regular, that she's a full full time regular, even though Wally obviously isn't going to be this year, this coming season. Wally won't be. Uh, uh, is he supposed to be going over to Legends? Uh no, I don't. I don't think so. I think he's actually going off to do other stuff. I think he's going. From what, if I remember the if I remember the article correctly, I think he's just he's just got kind of like taking a break and pursuing other other things. But he's gonna be he's gonna be in some episodes. He's not completely gonna be gone from the entire season four, but he's not gonna be a full time cast member in season four. Not that he was necessarily. Even though he was kind of sporadic, even in this season, he was in, he was in, then he was out, you know. So it was kind of back. And I was kind of sad what they did with Harry. That was kind of sad. Mm. 
which just opens the door to getting a, to getting another one probably. That's kind of the problem with the multiverse thing too. You could always could always bring in a bring in another one. But uh, it was it, it was good, but it, you know it was. I'm glad it picked up a little, and it was and it was cool to have a different kind of threat than obviously a speedster. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Stick with that, guys. Let's make next season's villain Grodd. Just freaking go all out. You think they could pull that off for a whole season, though? They can if they went, you know, because there, there's, there's been seasons of a show though, where, you know, the the villain doesn't really, the the main threat of the season doesn't really present itself until about halfway through. You know, I'm watching. You know, for those of you who don't know, you know, I for inexplicable reasons, I really enjoy so Smallville, and I'll do like rewatches of it. You know, once or twice a year, <laughs> or every two years, or something like that. Um, so I'm I'm on a season, I'm on a Smallville rewatch, and Smallville did that for a long time, where like the the big villain, uh, the the big threat of the season didn't present itself until like the second half, or sometimes even like the the last fourth, which I think is the the wrong approach, but still a approach uh, of the season. So it's possible that they could do it. You know, maybe plant seeds in the beginning without actually seeing Grodd. And then, you know, the first time you see Grodd, like, halfway through the season as he reveals himself as the main threat, then you can do that. And I'd love to see, uh, I mean, I'd love to see more, um, uh, more Flash family. I know that it gets old, but, you know, I've always liked Jessie Quick. We got her, not sure if I'm crazy about the interpretation of her, but we got her. Um, I'd like to, you know, now my, now my, uh, campaign, you know, I'm really hoping that we get, uh, Max Mercury at some point. So that is true. And, and we didn't get, uh, we did not get John Wesley ship in the season, did we? Uh, I think maybe a little bit. Was he in the beginning? Maybe. Maybe. I know that there probably was at least a, I think there was at least a scene or something of him because I think they were. Isn't he like, stuck in the Speed Force because he had to get Wally out from Savitar? And that was the last time we saw him? No, I think he was – I don't know because any person trapped in the Speed Force after Savit- after dealing with Savitar was uh, Barry. Oh, yeah, because we did see Jay get out. That's what Jay was. Jay was, and then and Barry more or less took his place. So I, 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 I think we may – you may be right that we may have seen him like in the first episode, even if it was just kind of like flashing back to stuff that. It, but I don't know if we saw Jay as a character more than maybe in the first episode. So that was kind of. It was understandable, but it was but it was a little disappointing because I like John Wesley Ship, and obviously he has such a strong tie to any Flash TV series. It kind of. It would have been cool to have him in in some capacity, even if it was back as, a version of of his father, you know, and some. But they didn't do a whole lot of time jumping. Well, um, he, I think, no, yeah, he was in the season. Uh, remember the flash time episode where there's a bomb about to go off and they have to be in flash time. That was the season. Yeah. So he, he like touches Cisco and Cisco can't, uh, Cisco can't use his powers to get it right. He touches, uh, uh, Killer Frost, and she can't do anything about it. And then he, the first one he's with is Jay, but Jay has to slow down because 
he's getting too old to to sustain that speed. Okay, yeah, I think I. Th- but he wasn't in it much, right? I'm, I'm looking now to see what episodes he was in this year. Um, yes, you were correct. Well, I'm and, I'm, and, I'm on and, Bleeding Cool right now, and it says Enter Flash Time. That's 2018. Yeah. yeah, he says by the end of the episode, the city is saved, and he's about to go back to his Earth. But he tells the others that it's time for him to hang up the helmet and train a new Flash to protect his Earth. So that'd be awesome if the new Flash was Max Mercury. To flash time. Yeah. Season four, episode fifteen. Yep. You know, you know why I don't? I might not recognize that episode now that I'm thinking about it. Hmm. That might have been one I didn't watch. Hmm. Because I, there were when I was getting close to the end of the season, I I dozed off in a few episodes, and then I'm not gonna lie. I think based on the description of the episodes, if it didn't seem like it had a huge amount to do with the uh, the thinker. Yes, if it didn't have a lot to do with the major, you know, the, the resolution of the big bad, uh-huh. I think I did skip a few episodes. So now that now that you say that, I'm I'll have to go back and try to watch. Have to go back and try to watch that. But I do. Yeah, I finished. I almost forgot that I did that. But it's like when you when I'm looking at the once I said episode 15, it's like yeah, there were a few that I I didn't I didn't watch. Yeah, I finished Arrow. I finished Flash. I finished Legends. I haven't been keeping up with Supergirl, although I am. Maybe 10, 15 episodes into this current season. Uh, I'm, I think, I don't know if it's over yet or just about to be over, but uh, there's that. Uh, I'm trying to figure out if there's any other show. I, 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 uh, I want to watch the new Luke Cage, obviously, but I can't, don't have Netflix. Um, what was there? I feel like there's another show I just recently finished. It, it could, because it, I, I had a. Uh, uh, a friend of mine was letting me use his Netflix for a little bit um, when we were coworkers at Apple, um, but because uh, because so, I was binging a bunch of shows I'd never seen. Like everybody always made a big deal out of Parks and Rec, and I'd never never seen any Parks and Rec, so I made a point to watch that at one point. So maybe I'm just thinking of one of those. Arrow was Arrow was okay. Uh, it ended in an interesting way in an interesting place. Where I'm curious to see where they go to the next season, but. I feel like unless they do something drastic with Arrow, I'm just sort of done. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I, th- I don't think you're in the you're in the minority there. I think some people, it seems like some people like this season more than some of the other seasons. But I do think in general, it's, I think at the, I think at this point, it's kind of almost like The Walking Dead, where it's like you know it really is a sinking ship. I mean, so oh, I haven't watched Walking Dead in a long time. Yeah, I I, I, I stopped right before, right when um, what's his name showed up. the the end of the at the end of the season when I was it the end of the season when Negan showed up. I think I think so. And then the next season is when people started dying and didn't know who died. You know that whole thing. That that's the last time I watched Walking Dead, and that was what I two seasons ago. I think that's correct. Yeah. Uh, oh, that, it was Agents of Shield. That's that's uh, my Agents of thing. Shield. That Which, would make sense. That ended on a high point. That ended really well for me. Uh, it also ended in a place where they weren't sure if they'd be renewed for another season. So it, it, it ended in a way that felt like a wrap for the whole series, uh, or it could be a wrap if you wanted that. So, yeah, which is which is always good when they do that because um, just in just in case. Uh, and it's not. Uh, I guess next season they they did get signed on for another season, 
but I think it's less episodes. So it's yes, possible you are that correct. It, it is less episodes. Yeah, and so it, it, it's possible that this next season is the last season. And plus, isn't isn't it like a mid season replacement or something? Don't the episodes come on like mid season or something? Yeah, I, it's yeah. something like that. So, oh, man, I love Agents. It's it's crazy how much my my love for that show has switched from when it first came out to like, oh, God, this is annoying. <laughs> This is so slow. <laughs> this is ridiculous. What are they doing into the show? And then it just got better. And like by far, of course, my my favorite season being uh, not this most recent season, but the season before, season four, where they had Ghost Rider and they did life model decoys and the framework and all this stuff. And it was just like, God, this is fantastic. I love this show. So that was great. I have to finish. I think there were two episodes of Luke Cage I, I, I'm left to watch. Season two? Yeah. yeah. I, I, it's all the blur last night. I think I, I'm trying to remember if I was still watching Luke Cage when I fell asleep. I think I probably was, but I, I was, I was in, I think it was episode, I think I was in episode 11. I just don't know if I finished episode 11. It was because I think Danny, Danny Rand episode was, was 10 and it was the episode after that. So I have to, I have to go back. Probably tonight, I will. I will finish it. I will finish it off and. Oh, see where I finished. I finished Black Lightning too, as well. Yeah, Black I Lightning. Have I have not started that yet. Uh, it's it's enjoyable. It definitely it starts off great. The first episode, then it sort of dips. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, the guy who plays. God, I can't remember the name of the character he plays. The 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 dude who makes his suit and all that. He's one of the only white guys in the in in the in the show, I forget his name. Popular, he played uh, Dexter's father on Dexter. Okay, I forget his name. Like he's so wooden in that show, it's annoying. Uh, so you know, that's sort of a slog to get through, and it it, it does take a pretty uh, a pretty <laughs> steep dive for for a little bit, then it just comes right back up. Um, it's one of those shows that I look at, and I'm like. It didn't need to be as long as it was episode-wise. I think it ended up being like 13 episodes or something like that. Maybe maybe, maybe more. But it could have been less to save some of that momentum. Yeah, I think that, as we've, dis- as we've discussed before, I think that is an ongoing issue. Even, even the Luke Cage... Uh, well, I think this season was more even than season one. I think... There are things in it that are still annoying, but and there thing, but there are some interesting character developments, if you will, that, that are that make it intriguing. But could it have done with like ten? Could it have done with like ten episodes instead of thirteen? Yeah, I think I think that would have been probably a probably a better number. But it is what it is. Uh, at least at least now I'm almost done with it. Yeah. So, uh, I, and I didn't start it until I started over the weekend. I just don't remember what what day I started it. So I made pretty good made pretty good progress. That's one of those things when you're binge watching, when you get when you start getting too tired, there's no point in keeping it going because you're just gonna fall asleep on it anyway and then have to backtrack. So you might as well just stop. Yeah. Uh, not like you're not like you're watching a movie that you've watched before where like it doesn't really matter if you fall asleep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but this is like, yeah. 
Yeah, I rewatched uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure the other night. <laughs> it's the 30th anniversary. It's, it's, I've already got that on Blu-ray, but it's so tempting to go buy that limited edition 30th anniversary steel case that they recently put out like a week or two ago because I saw it in Best Buy and I was like, oh. <laughs> but it's just like I cannot justify buying that because I already have the movie on Blu-ray. And besides, now you might as well wait till the third one comes out because there'll be another set anyway. <laughs> that is true, but you know, you know what's crazy is uh, I can't find Bogus Journey on Blu-ray anywhere. There's there's a hard to find, and you're going to pay a few extra dollars to get it. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey Blu-ray two pack you can buy. But there is no Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey by itself Blu-ray I can find, which irritates me, because I, yeah, is Excellent Adventure better than Bogus Journey? Yes, but at the same time, Bogus Journey is still a big part of it for me because you got death and you know they go and they train with Eddie Van Halen and they come back and they throw that cool concert. You know, it's it's you know it's just a really cool. Sh- you got the the bad, you know, the evil robot us's and all that stuff. You get station, you know, all that stuff is in there. So it's just like, it's really, as a Bill and Ted fan, it really bothers me that I can't find that. <laughs> I can understand that. It, it it is interesting how some some movies that you that really don't make sense that they're not available. All of a sudden, either are or just have always. You know, they're always difficult to track down. It's kind of like it doesn't make a lot of sense. Especially nowadays, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. Right. I, I, I know you're big into like movies and movie releases, but do you keep up on like what movies are going to be releasing in hard copy for you to purchase? Do you like go to the Blu-ray website? Oh, it's a note. So like, I know what release dates. Yes. Not, not, not that often. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, I don't do that that often. Yeah. Uh, uh, for those of I, you, for those of you curious, I'm talking about. Blu-ray.com slash movies slash release dates. Uh, and it's Blu-ray with a – is that a hyphen in between it? Whatever that is. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, because I constantly browse that to see what's out there, what's coming up, what's going to – because, like, it's one thing to be like, okay, so this movie that was in theaters a couple weeks ago is going to be released – like that's 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 all well and good. That's cool. But every now and then you'll just like stumble across something and be like, "What the hell?" Like they're re-releasing that, or you know, <laughs> I haven't seen that movie in forever. It's finally getting a Blu-ray interpretation. What? So, yeah, that's. I'm scrolling through right now because there was one that I recently saw, and I, I, I'll do this, man. I'll do this all the time. Is I'll I'll browse the Blu-ray website release website. And see what's supposed to be coming out. And if there's something I'm super interested in, I'll just be, you know, I'll tell my my smartphone. I'll be like, you know, hey, Siri, you know, (laughs) remind me on such and such a date to buy blah, blah, blah on (laughs) Blu-ray. So, but, uh, yeah, I just didn't know if you kept up with that stuff. To be fair, I don't don't buy nearly as many Blu-rays as I used to. I'm a lot more selective these days. So, I for that reason, that's when the re- I used to pay more. I used to pay more attention. Now I don't because it, because I'm looking. I'm looking at this year. I mean, I'm tr- I think there was. I think there was something I bought this year. 
but I'm trying to remember what it was. I, it wasn't it wasn't Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. I did not I did not buy I I I didn't buy Ragnarok. I would have bought Ragnarok if for for some reason that Ragnarok was not available for, for pre-order on Amazon, the Blu-ray before it came out. So because of that, I didn't pre-order it. And then by the time it came out, it's like well, like kind of kind of my interest waned a little. I didn't I didn't buy Black Panther. I definitely didn't buy Last Jedi. Uh, I got all three of those. <laughs> and, I, and I'm trying to think what I've what I've I'll probably buy I'll probably buy Infinity War when it comes out. Infinity War I will buy. I don't know if there's anything else that I've seen that I've seen this year at this point. Well, I get all the Marvel movies, and by Marvel I mean Marvel Studios. Like I don't get Deadpool or X Men or any of those. Get all the Marvel movies on Blu-ray. Um, I've got this, the new Star Wars on Blu-ray. Uh, I got uh, the the new trilogy of Planet of the Apes on Blu-ray. I got Firefly and Serenity on Blu-ray. I got the DCEU from Man of Steel on. Uh, I've got the, CD, the CW seasons on Blu-ray. Uh, the first three seasons of The Walking Dead on Blu-ray, but that's only because I found them... Um, uh, at like a half price books for a good deal and all that. Uh, but I, in terms of like other things, like I, I got the Harry Potter eight film complete eight film Blu-ray collection. And I got the underworld collection in a steel book. I got that for my birthday. Cause I really like the underworld movies. Right. Um, but there's, I don't, I don't buy a ton of things on blue. My, like my two favorite movies of all time, stranger than fiction with Will Ferrell and then the Maltese Falcon with Humphrey Bogart. Those I've got on Blu-ray, but I don't have near the the collection I used to. But yeah, every now and then, you know, other than stuff that already fits into that mold, like I just scrolled past that Arrow will be coming out. Then the current season that just wrapped up will be coming out on Blu-ray. I'm uh, August 28th, the complete Flash season four on Blu-ray. I'm on August 28th right now. You know, stuff like that. I'll 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 put down on my list is like, oh really? That's I got to remember when that's coming out so I can keep up with my collection. But yeah, beyond that, I just uh, I'm scrolling, man. I'm trying to remember because I wanted to see if you remember this movie because it was a movie with dinosaurs, like little dinosaurs. Oh, here's another one: Community. Did you ever watch Community, the TV show, the comedy? No. Nope. Uh, Community, the complete series, is coming out on September 18th on Blu-ray, like just a full box set. And that's interesting because the last season of that was aired by uh, that Yahoo streaming service that they had for a little while. That that failed horribly. Right. <laughs> um, oh, okay, found it. October 9th. Did you ever watch a movie called Prehysteria? No. Came out in 1993. I have been trying to find this movie forever, and all I can find are like... <laughs> Hey, here's my old VHS copy that kind of the tape sort of skips a little bit and blah blah blah. Like right now, you can order it on Amazon for like thirty five dollars <laughs> because it's that hard to find a hard copy of. But they're going to be re-releasing it on Blu-ray uh, on uh, on October 9th. and it's this film about these kids who find these. Uh, <laughs> the, the tagline is. They're the world's oldest party animals. And they find these little dinosaur eggs and they hatch. But then they have, then these kids basically have like a 
tiny brontosaurus and a tiny stegosaurus, a tiny <laughs> triceratops and a tiny T-Rex. And, you know, they, they have to hide them from their parents. And like prehysteria two, I think the, the, the dinosaurs got loose on a mini golf course, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but this is, this is like hitting me right in my sweet spot because as a kid, I wanted to be a paleontologist. So like I've I've said this before, <laughs> Hell, even one of our uh, iTunes reviews mentions this. Uh, one of my favorite cartoons as a kid, I have several. You know, I had Underdog and I had the regular, you know, the, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle series. But I also really, really, really love Dendra the Last Dinosaur, which nobody ever seems to remember existed. Um, but I wanted to be a paleontologist, so like I love Jurassic Park and I love that's why I'm I'm gonna go see it tomorrow night as we record this, uh, just because I have to see those movies. Um, and I love Denver, but Prehysteria was another one of those movies that hit me right in my sweet spot. Do you remember Batteries Not Included? Yes. Okay, it's like that, but with little dinosaurs <laughs> instead of, you know, crazy tiny spaceships. <laughs> it's that sort of a feel of a movie. So pre Prehysteria will be coming out, the first one will be coming out on October 9th. So I'm super that, stoked that's for that. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking at my order. I, I have not ordered a single Blu-ray, off of Amazon this year, and I'm looking back at la- last year. I only last year I only ordered four: Alien Covenant, mm-hmm. uh, Westworld, the 40th anniversary edition, mm-hmm. of the actual the, the 1970s movie, which, which the obviously the show is follows uh, Spider-Man: Homecoming, and Gettysburg: The Director's Cut. So, because it's, because the theatrical release wasn't long enough, I needed the director's cut of Gettysburg, which adds like an extra half an hour. <laughs> yeah, I, I wanted to get uh, Almost Famous because Almost Famous is one of my favorite movies. Um, uh, I mean, just just under Stranger Than Fiction and The Maltese Falcon, but it's still one of my favorite movies. But all I could ever find was the the. It's not the director's cut; they refer it to, uh, as something else, but it, it, it's essentially the director's cut and. When you get the director's cut of Almost Famous, it's a it's the movie is like twice as long. It makes it long, <laughs> and I just want the original film on blue. You know, a lot of those director's cuts will like, do you want to watch the original version or the director's cut? Right. But for the for some reason, they released this Almost Famous version only in you can only watch if you buy it this way. You can only watch it this way, which is sort of irritating as all get out. And I don't buy much of my stuff off of uh, off of Amazon anymore. Uh, Blu-rays, I, I get it like Best Buy because like when they first come out and hit the shelves like that day, it's always like ten, fifteen bucks cheaper than it normally would be. So yeah, yeah. some of some of their some of their deals are are better. On uh, June twelfth, I was at Best Buy and I picked up uh, season three of The Flash on Blu-ray. Because they had it for ten dollars, so yeah, that's a good deal. Yep, I really do try to resist buying TV show seasons because I, I the odds are I will not watch them very often. So the the only the only shows I buy are shows either that. I consider it to be like classics that I grew up on, 
because I know I can because a you you find them hard it's harder and harder to find them actually on TV now. It's also hard and, to find them on Blu-ray. A lot of those old shows only come out on DVD sets. That is that is that is true. Actually, technically speaking, I should rephrase that because yes, like I'm thinking of the Odd Couple, but that's not Blu-ray. You were correct. My my complete all five seasons of the Odd Couple. Those are those. That's a DVD set. Uh, like good luck find all, good luck finding Mash on Blu-ray. Yeah, yeah. Like see the at least see like the and some some things are different. Like the Twilight Zone. Like I have I over again talk. I got this at, at BJ's over time. I got all of the seasons of Twilight Zone over time uh, at BJ's and the DVDs. And I know they eventually released Blu-rays of them. And it's like you know it's like. It's like they're 1950s black and white shows. Do I really need them on Blu-ray? <laughs> Is it really going to be a substantial difference enough for somebody to buy it all over again? And I said no. Well, it's helpful because my my dad doesn't own a Blu-ray player. Uh, he still has a DVD player. So, like, uh, Father's Day just, just happened, and Walmart had uh, the original Star Trek on DVD. 76 episodes or something like that. Uh, that all, sounds about right. All remastered and everything, but it was all on, on a DVD set. And then for um, Christmas, I think, or or maybe it was maybe it was his birthday. Before that, I had gotten him um, uh, like the first four seasons of the X Files because my dad didn't watch a lot of TV growing like when, when I was growing up, but he did watch. I remember him watching Star Trek. I remember definitely remember him watching like the X Files. Um, and so, like, it's good that a lot of those old shows only come out in DVD <laughs> because, I like, I, I'd be interested in them in Blu-ray, but, you know, <laughs> I'm not the I, I'm buying them for a different audience. <laughs> but, like, personally, like, I would love to have, like, some of those old shows on Blu-ray. Like, I'd love to get MASH. I remember I watched a lot of Happy Days. Yes. Um, I have fond memories of, of Happy Days, too. You know, because that was, that was doing some reruns. Maybe some Bewitched, you know, maybe some My Dream of Genie. I don't know. But, you know, we'll see. Yeah, maybe maybe they don't release it on Blu-ray because they just don't see the point. Like, we, we can't, we physically can't get these images to look any better. Why bother releasing them on the better format? Well, I think, I th- I think part of it's also that, that in a way, they probably... They, I think some of it is they know, even though there's always going to be a market for whenever you re-release something in a new format or you come up with a new version, even if it's the same format, but but there's something different about it. That there's always going to be an audience for people for the people who, the collectors who will who want to have everything. But they're probably also aware that for that reason, depend it depends on depends on the show. If you talk like like for me like. Even though this wouldn't be a great example, because I I would have no need to get this on Blu-ray even if they had it. But like Married with Children, the, the seasons I have of Married with Children, I would not even if that was readily available and for for relatively cheap, I would have no need to upgrade the seasons I have from DVD to Blu-ray. I mean, it, yeah. it just doesn't. It there's not really. It's like if you had I Love Lucy. It's like what's the point? I mean, if you didn't have yeah. it at all and you could get I Love Lucy on Blu-ray, sure. But you know what? What's the point of having like Frasier on Blu-ray? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I, I mean, got gotcha. you. Yeah, I mean, it's in a, for for most of it, like like for Mash. I mean, yes, yeah, he she mashes. The problem with Mash is Mash is Mash went on so long. Yeah, well, Mash is also like 
mash uh, of like old TV shows is, you know, will it happen? Probably not. But of, of all those old TV shows, it's probably one of the more likely to get a Blu-ray interpretation just for the hell of it because of how popular the show is. No, I, w- I would I would agree. Yeah. I just I mean I I forget how many years ago it was now, but man, if it wasn't but it was now I think it was a while ago, but they had it was at least at least two or three years. They had it on Netflix. They had I think the entire they had the entire series on Netflix. First they had like seven or eight seasons, then they added in the final bunch of seasons, including the final season with the final good you know, goodbye, farewell, amen that, you know, the the you know that one of the cla- one of the classic all time you know high most highly watched TV shows of all time episode, and then they took all then they took all all of it off. Hmm. So now, but yeah, the eleventh the eleventh season. And that was one thing I missed about uh, when I when my when uh, I was using that Netflix account is um, I I've, I've seen episodes of Star Trek because like I said my dad watched it as I was growing up so like I've definitely seen it but. <laughs> For a while, because on Netflix, they I don't know if it's still there because they constantly cycle stuff out, but they had basically everything. They had the original series. They had Next Gen. They had the films. Uh, it, and I was like, I was just right. like, add to wish list, add to wish list, add to or, or watch list or whatever. Because at some point, I was like, I'm going to watch all of this in order. <laughs> I want to see. I want to have a stance when someone asks me, Kurt or Picard. <laughs> So, but yeah, yeah. I think we've got a lot out of this episode already. <laughs> yeah, we did actually. We got quite a bit, quite a bit, and a lot, lot of interesting tangents. So for an for an episode that only dealt with two issues, we we got a very well rounded episode out of it. <laughs> That's right. All right. Um, you want to tell people how they can reach us if they want to give us their thoughts on. Blu-rays and old TV shows. <laughs> yeah, give us their thoughts. Aren't you overly optimistic, Chad Bokeman? <laughs> we can use some feedback, guys. Yes, tell. because you guys are slacking off big time. Let's cut. Let's let, let let's cut to the chase. So far this year, you guys have not done very well. <laughs> Maybe it's us. I, I will say. I will say this. I was on. I mentioned an iTunes review earlier. That's because I was actually looking at them on my phone. I think we've gotten some iTunes reviews in the recent past that we haven't talked about. But again, the reason we, I'll apologize for that, but only so much because we don't get notifications when we get new reviews on iTunes. So heads up guys, if you are to leave us a review on iTunes, please, please, please contact us somehow. Mark will tell you how in a minute. Contact us somehow and let us know you left one. So we can give you proper credit because we do not get notifications, emails, pop ups, anything when we get a new review on iTunes. So if you leave us a review, contact us somehow and let us know. Yes. And to be fair, when when I'm I'm talking about people not following through, I'm mostly talking about the email and the voicemail. 
So I was not. I was. Not, it's true. It's all encompassing. Theoretically, it would be all encompassing. Can cover Twitter and other stuff. That's not. But specifically, I'm referring to just you know the the classic feedback, the email or or the or the voicemail stuff. There's not the stuff we read not, on air, email and voicemails. Yes. We haven't gotten any of those in a long time. Now we know we still have to deal with the. I think it was Jesse's thing related to Lost Army, which depending on. If we take your approach to one of the future, one of the episodes in the near future, we probably can deal with that. So that one was that one is we haven't forgotten it. There's a specific reason we were we were pushing we were not dealing with it yet. Um, so yes, to contact us, lanterncast at gmail That is the best way to to leave us feedback or the voicemail seven zero eight lantern. Either one of those. The website, lanterncast.com, latest episodes. We've been kind of get, getting a little bit of forward momentum on Ring Cyclopedia episodes. There'll be another one coming out very soon. Facebook exclusive? From, yes, from Mr. Bokelman. Mm-hmm. And I have another, and I will probably be in the next week or so, be at least recording the next one that'll be a gen, the, that'll go up on the general YouTube and our website account. So check those out. Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, use hashtag GLCast to locate us on those. iTunes and Stitcher, whichever platform, or both if you do, whichever but whichever platform you listen to us on primarily, please leave us a positive review. All right, guys, we'll talk to you later. Good night, everybody. Good night. <laughs>